No? Yes? Yes. Okay. We have, uh, well, when people are traveling, sometimes it's good to do a series that doesn't require building on each other. So Psalms are units in themselves. So we'll take a minute and look at that. The, um, the Psalms that, that we're going to look at provide us a picture into who God is. So we get theology. We get a, a scene where people at a particular time are living life out on this planet, real life, in real times, and there's a whole uh, circumstances, events that are unfolding. They have to get up in the morning and figure out what they're going to eat. They have to find a place to live. All the things that everybody else does. And this is just an opportunity to look into the Psalms and see how did they how did they express that? What was going on for them as things come about? And we're going to look at this in terms of who who God is, what He's done, how He does it, and to put that in some kind of um, uh, I guess surprising supernatural way. Let me tell you about these. Uh, situations because sometimes in our bible stories if we consider those stories as aren't those nice they're three thousand years old i'm glad that happened for them but i got problems and monday is coming and it all starts all over again and god has nothing to do with this i'll ask for prayer but really i'm pretty much going to run this on my own because he doesn't get involved he's not interested or he, he was okay with those guys because they they wore funny clothes. They just wrapped themselves in sheets and ran around the desert. But I don't live like that. So he's so far away from me. So in 1968, beginning of the Jesus movement, early days of that kind of revival that was happening then, there's a... Uh, just a desire for people to seek out the Lord and to re- revisit God's provision, His way of doing things. They they wanted to see God show up in real ways, and they were sharing Jesus and out on the streets. And some of them were just hippies who came to Jesus along the way. So they've got the long hair and sandals, and I guess because they look like that, it. It fit the, wow, like we're New Testament Christians. But this is one in Illinois, in a, in a church that's starting. They've invited the community to come. And there was this uh, gal, Karen Schmidgal, and she says in Naperville, Illinois, they had this, this uh, church plant, invited people, set up the chairs, tables, and it was to be a potluck. And you understand how that works. The only person to bring food to the potluck was Karen. And a lot of people showed up from the community. Lots of people show up for this. One person brings food, enough for five, six, you know, for a family. What do you do? It's a whole new experience. And she thought, we'll serve what we got. So they start serving, and they served, and they served. People came back for seconds, 
and they served, and there's some leftovers. How does that happen? Because God is so distant. He doesn't participate today in the things that we're doing. There's a, a group of people in, uh, over by Mogadishu, and uh, the bakers, Roland and Heidi, and they've been doing ministry over there for quite a while. They started an orphanage. There's a lot of, of um, persecution of Christians in that area. They were uh, attacked. They, they had their, their orphanage taken away from them, and they had all these kids. They have their own kids and they, uh, their family, and then they have all of these orphans. And they had a flat, an apartment in Mogadishu. So this is out in the boonies. So then they come into town. They just lead these kids and, and they get them all into, into town. And they're all going to stay in this little apartment, and which served kind of as a mission office kind of place. They move all the kids in there. And somebody had heard that they'd come back to town. So being nice, uh, I think it's from the U.S., ambassador's office this gal came over and she brought enough food for the baker family so here's enough food for 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 them and this gal and so she knocks on the door they open the door and there she is with their her little basket of food and they look around and this gal's like what i thought your family it she goes well my family's bigger than you thought it's all of these you know 100 kids so what are we going to do? And they just decided, let's just serve. And so they served, and they served, and they served, and everybody ate again. That's not 3,000, not 2,000. That's now. Because God is involved today. But he won't help me come Monday. I need to run this thing myself. Whether I go to the doctor, I have to fix my car, the problems in my household are beyond his ability to help. Missionaries going across Mexico, they have, their car breaks down in the Sonoran Desert, and they are miles and miles from anybody. Car's overheated, there's no water. If you've ever been on the Sonoran Desert, you know there's, there's no water. What are they going to do? Nothing for the radiator. They've got to keep this thing running. And they prayed. And God supplies. God takes care of them, provides the, keeps the, the vehicle going. They make it into town, and uh, there's no way that, that, that it should have kept running at all. I had my 66 Ford Galaxy break down. I was in the mountains and working at a Christian camp above Colorado Springs back there in the mountains. Remote area, there's nothing back there till you get down to the main highway. So my car overheated, same thing, just stopped, lights are going, the whole deal, it's in the night, I'm coming down the mountain, which you can coast some, but you can't make it all the way, so I pray, and I looked, and the car was cool. I thought, well, that's interesting, and I had no way to put any antifreeze, anything, and I looked, the radiator seems fine. Nothing's leaking, nothing's steaming, nothing's hot. It wasn't that way a little bit ago. So I started it up, ran fine, drove it on down. thought, I wonder if I need to do anything. I didn't need to do anything. 
drove it back to Oklahoma, it did fine. It just kept running. Because God provides the help we need when we need it. He comes alongside. He is not bailed. He is not blind. He is not shorthanded. He is involved. And, but he's not helping me. Maybe that's more me than him. Because he is a miracle-making God. And he is involved in our lives because he loves us. He cares about us. He cares about our situation. But it's hopeless. I am not happy. And God in heaven shaking his head saying, I'm right here. I'm just right here. I am ready and willing to meet you where you are and to take you far beyond what you can imagine. In Psalm 90, which is the psalm we're looking at, we picked that this is the only psalm written by Moses. So this isn't a psalm of David. This is a psalm of Moses. Moses didn't get to go into the promised land. He didn't walk into Israel across the Jordan River. He was stopped on the other side. Now, you know the story of his involvement in getting the people out of slavery. So you know about that. But he didn't go on into the land. Joshua was, was the one who led them on into the land through those battles and, and settling the land. So this psalm is before that. This isn't about Israel in the land. This is all about before. And Moses gives us a picture of what God has done and a different view of how to look at things. If you read this in your devotionals and you just assume, well, that's 2022, that's how it looks, that's what is going on, or, or Israel and, and the Jewish people living in the land during the time of Jesus, you're still way off. This is a thousand years, 1,400 years before Jesus. That's a different time different situation, and God is showing up, meeting them where they are. Verse 1, Psalm 90. Lord, through all the generations, you have been our home. You've been our home. God calls Abram out of Ur of the Chaldees. Abram comes with Sarai, and they, they begin to move around in tents and live in the promised land. A land God said, I will show you, which told Abraham, here come to the land, I will show you. He walks around, he has herds, this thing starts increasing. He's living in tents in a, in a land where he has to deal with other kings and negotiate deals. He's not in charge of this thing, but he's... He's there. So where's home? Or the Chaldees? Does he have a city? Does he own anything? He bought a piece of property. One piece of property while he was there. Enough land to bury Sarah. A cemetery plot. That's it. 
That's Abraham. Not long after, they wind up because of a famine, and Joseph is down in Egypt. Uh, Providentially, God sends him ahead, and they move down to all of these Hebrew people move into Egypt. Is that home? They are there for 400 years. They start off living pretty good with Joseph. They get the palace. They got nice homes. And before long, they are slaves. Now they live in slavery and slave kind of conditions. And is that home? Is that home? Because they've gone from tents to slavery. Then... Moses comes down, they are freed from that situation, and now they're marching through the desert with tents. And they move, and they live in tents, and they move, and they live in tents for 40 years. So, is that home? Because we're going to come up with definitions of what home is in our own minds. So when we read through the psalm, And we go, you've been our home. Well, you've been our home where the AC is on. We got hot and cold running water. Nice, soft mattress. Fluffy pillows. Nice, high-def TV. Home. Moses said, no, that's not home. Here's home. You have been our home. You have been our home. How is that? How could he be home? You remember, he provided the food. Manna was provided. Quail was provided. He provided them what they needed. When they ran out of water, he brought it out of the rock. He was home. Could they sleep in safety? Yeah, because they were home. Wherever they were, whatever the situation, in him... They were home. So it didn't matter if they were living in tents, if they were living in slavery, they were home. Is that how you look at it? Or does it have to be just right? You've got to have certain, certain things, certain ways of doing things, certain routines, certain things that make it comfortable, certain things that you can look forward to every day and you know you're safe, you know the bills are paid, every, the water's on. What's your home? Moses said, you are our home. Through all generations. Through every situation, through every person, through every difficulty, you have been our home. He tells us a little bit in verse 2 about God. Before the mountains were born, before you gave birth to the earth, before the mountains were born, before you gave birth to the earth and the world, from beginning to end, you our God. Now they've come to follow him, so they've come out of the world where others have followed other 
gods, small g gods. They are influenced by the world around them, and they are worshiping others than the one true God. But he is connecting, Moses is connecting the creation to God, the one true God. And this is it from beginning to end. You are God. You're the one. You are above all else. You're before the creation, before any of this that we walk around on even existed. You are God, and you're the one that makes us home. You provide for us what we need when we need it, and exactly the time, exactly the way that we really need it. Not the way we want it, not the way we think we need it, but the way we really need it. Verse 3, for you, in talking to God, Moses says, a thousand years are as a passing day, as brief as a few night hours. If you've lived a while, uh, you've got a few decades under your belt, and you think, man, this year just goes fast. Christmas rolls around so fast. Because the longer you live, the shorter time seems. It's a perspective thing. When you're a little kid, you're three, four, five, Christmas doesn't come soon enough. It seems like forever. Well, yeah, because you don't have that many days under your belt yet. Add some decades, nah, no big deal. Yeah, what if you've lived forever? How quick is it? A thousand years. Not much. He puts that in perspective. So here's the timing. They were, in, they were in slavery or down in Egypt for 400 years. Well, that is horrible. And I've been praying for our country to change, and, and I can't believe it's taken five years for something to happen, 40 years for something to happen, 50 years for something to happen. In God's perspective just happened to me oh my gosh i can't believe this is still going on and he's at work in ways we don't see in lives we don't know changing things and using time exactly as it needs to be used to accomplish purposes greater than we can wrap our minds around and he's still at work He's not abandoned us. He's not gone. He's still working in such ways to bring us closer, to expose us to more of him, to enjoy him more. Moses explains, well, we are human, so we're limited. God is forever. Before the mountains were born, or he gave birth to the earth and the world. He is God. But we... But we, verse 10, 70 years are given to us. Some even live to 80. But even the best years are filled with pain and trouble. Soon they disappear and we fly away. Given a little perspective on lifespan. You get 70 years. And and the closer you get to 70 or 80... Have you noticed, you go, man, that guy was like 68. He died so young. And and if you're 12, 15, you're going, that dude's old. 
What happened? Perspective. What's the lifespan? If you make 70, according to Psalm 90, is that a good thing? Because not everybody makes 70. Is that a good thing? Yeah. Should be, we start whining because we didn't get 80? Nice. Get 80. That's, that's nice. Are you guaranteed any of it? No. We're just giving you a picture. God is forever. Thousand years. Like a passing night. He just has a different way of seeing all of this. And he is working things out. Our 70 years is pretty quick. It's kind of a blink of an eye. In God's perspective. And yet he loves us. He can slow things down so that he can intervene and be with us and speak to us and work in our own timing. I appreciate him being able to do that. But we're also given this. Don't, don't think uh, this is a bad deal. You get 70 years. That's, that's really remarkable. 80? Wow. But whatever years, even the best ones are filled with pain and trouble. No, I just want comfort and air conditioning. What are you talking about pain and trouble? Is this a new concept? 1,400 years before Christ, he's writing this. Hasn't even been in the promised land. Huh. Pain and trouble. They knew about pain and trouble then. Yeah. 70 years still pretty much the thing now? Pretty much. Is the average above 80 for anybody anywhere? No. Has it changed? No. Over 3,000 years. Pain and trouble. But I don't like it. Yep. And pretty soon, you'll hit that magic year. Your days will be over. They disappear, and you fly away. Says it right there. Close your eyes. All that disappears, and you fly away. And all those troubles, all that pain, all that you demanded is gone. And do you know where home is? With him. Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you. And in my Father's house, there's lots of places for you. There's home. Where? With him. What did Moses say? You've always been our home. We get to be home with him. That's home. That's the real home. Does he make sure all the pain and trouble always goes away for all of his people? Come on, you know that's not true. However, in our minds, do we have expectations and yell at him a lot or yell at others if God doesn't come through the way we want? Yeah, pretty much every week. Is it time to stop it? Yeah. Because Moses told us a long time ago, that's just it. That's just it. Seventy years given to us. Some even live to 80, but even the best years are filled with pain and trouble. Soon they disappear and we fly away. So what ought we to do with that? Here's verse 12. Wisdom. Teach us to realize the brevity of life so that we may grow in wisdom. It's short. This isn't going to last. There's pain and trouble. And God says, I'm with you. This, be with me. That's home. No matter where you are, living in a tent, in the desert, traveling, you, I'm with you. I can provide the food you need, the manna. I can give that to you every day. 
As they traveled through the desert for 40 years, those Hebrews never wore out their sandals or their clothing in 40 years. Never wore it out. Living in the desert because God took care of them and they were home, home with him. Wow, can he provide for us? Well, he does it in Bible stories, but that's not really... Oh, we know better than that. God can. He does. He's around. He's available. He listens to our prayers. Are we always seeing what the answers we want? Probably not, because we're blessed with unanswered prayers, because sometimes we get silly. And he has something else in mind that would be much wiser This is one of those situations. Recognize every time you go to a funeral that somebody's life has just come to a close. Should we just be sad about their life closing? Is that surprise that somebody dies, that the end of life comes? Because, you know, by the time we get to about 18 months old, we should realize that's pretty much it. We're only here for a certain amount of time, whatever that is. We don't know what that end is. It's just brief. Whatever it is, even 90 or 100 is brief. What should we realize? Teach us to realize the brevity of life. It's not that long. So that we may grow in wisdom. What would be wisdom? That's knowledge that's practical, that we can use to live life, to help others, to serve, to to lift others out of the muck and mire of life, to be able to make better families and better businesses and better churches and Connect with God, recognizing that he is our home, so that we may grow in wisdom. Verse 14, provision. Satisfy us each morning with your unfailing love, so we may sing for joy to the end of our lives. Satisfy us each morning with your unfailing love. David's been talking about chesed, which is the Hebrew version of that when you have to clear your throat. That is that love that God, he's going to meet us, join with us in the morning, and give us his love. But I just want two eggs, sausage, and a cup of coffee. Satisfy me with that. Well, that's the people who were on the road with him when they went across the desert. And they wound up going 40 years because they start off whining. Well, we don't like manna. It doesn't come in chocolate. We want something different than this. We don't like what you're doing. We don't like you taking us from slavery. We'd rather go back there and eat onions. Okay. So we have a problem in understanding what satisfy us each morning is about. It's about making me happy, right? giving me what is comfortable, what, what makes me really happy. And everybody loves me in the morning and laughs at my jokes and loves my stories. And, and they, they just, they're just so precious. You guys don't have grumpy people in your house when you wake up, right? Stuff happens. People don't necessarily treat each other the greatest. And... The cupboards, you know, maybe a little bare, and you have to make a run to go get the coffee or go get the eggs or go get something. Satisfy us each morning, and look at that, with your unfailing love. It's about the relationship. Where's home? 
It's with Him. How do you get satisfied every morning? With Him. Every morning. What comes with His love? Everything you need. He can multiply the food, but our cupboards are bare. The inflation has gone crazy. Gas prices are outrageous. Huh. And apparently the God of heaven can't do a thing about it. He can't help you. Huh. He's been doing it for centuries. For centuries. And he still does. All around the world. He's miraculously taking care of his people. Miraculously doing things to fill tanks. Do we always have to have enough so that we can look in our bank account and say, See, we are safe. Your bank account's going away, folks. I don't care how much you saved. It is not worth what it was. It just went away. Who are you going to trust? Who's your home? Who are you going to walk with? Who satisfies you every day? Well, I'm so afraid. You should see the news. I saw the news. You know, God saw the news like thousands of years ago and knew exactly what was going to happen today. And he's been up there shaking ever since. So worried. Not at all. Not at all. Satisfy us each morning with your unfailing love so we may sing for joy to the end of our lives. Not just that day. Sing for joy to the end of our lives. Every day. Every day. Success. And may the Lord our God show us his approval and make our efforts successful. Yes, make our efforts successful. Satisfy us each morning with your unfailing love. All right. We're going to sing joy. And may the Lord our God show us his approval and make our efforts successful. So success is doing what God has given us to do, following through, leaning on Him, trusting Him, living out the joy, walking in love, being satisfied in Him, recognizing that He is our true home. The success that they had was to march for 40 years, learn to trust God. Those who didn't trust Him in the beginning all died off, just like God said they would. That next generation's being raised up, seeing God do miraculous things. They're fed every day because God provides the manna. Everything they need is provided, nothing wears out. Here's success. You're going to accomplish what I gave you to do. You're going to follow through on that. By the time we read one of these in, the, in 2022, we'll read that and go, success, that's the thing I want to do, I want to look... Good, I want to be better off than my neighbor. I want my bank account to be solid and inflation not to affect it. That's not success. Success is trusting God and going where he wants you to go and doing what he wants you to do despite everything else. Let the inflation go. I mean, every other country's had 1,000% inflation. We've fortunately only experienced some at different times in the history of this country. Just some. 
But it only takes a little bit to rattle us, right? Unless we're satisfied in Him. If we're satisfied in Him, we find a new life. We find joy that lasts for a lifetime. We know that He can provide everything that we need whenever we need it. And when we're doing what He's asked us to do and going the direction we're supposed to be going with Him, that's success. May our... May the Lord, our God, show us his approval and make our efforts successful. Which ones? Our obedience, our love for him, our worship, our following him, our treating others with love and the way we should treat them. We are successful when we are walking with him. We are successful when we accomplish what he has given us to do. Yes, make our efforts successful. And then they go in, Moses is out of the picture, they go in with Joshua and they take the land and Israel as a nation is born. They were successful. That's more of the story. Well, back in the day, in the 1700s, there was a battle for this country to say, what should we do? What is God doing here? And a group of people uh, standing on the edge of this continent began to fight back to a greater power over in Europe and set this nation free to pursue a new direction with a new government, with a new design, with this in mind, that there is a God in heaven who cares about this. And if we do it rightly, we can do something good in this world for people And the people who live here can experience a whole new kind of life with liberty, where they are able to make choices on their own, not some tyrannical leader somewhere else calling the shots. They get to decide. And those who decided wanted to learn from God what it was that he would have them do and the direction that they should go. George Washington was one of those who was involved in that, led the Continental Army to victory and served as president for two terms. And he says this, Providence of the Almighty. It is the duty of all nations to acknowledge the providence of Almighty God, to obey His will, to be grateful for His benefits, and humbly to implore His protection and favor. All nations not just this one. It is a duty of all nations to acknowledge the providence of Almighty God, that He's the one who is our true home. He's the one who really provides all that we need. He will give us the wisdom, the direction that we need, and we ought to be grateful for His benefits, whether we live in tents in the desert, we have fine homes with air conditioning. Be grateful for his benefits and humbly to implore his protection and favor. Not complain about the things that we wish we had like our neighbor has. Humbly to implore his protection and favor, which he is fully capable of giving, desires to give, because every morning he wants us to know his love, to satisfy us each morning with his faithful love. He wants to see us be so charged with him 
They, we live in joy to the end of our days. Joy to the end of our days. Does that sound good? It's with Him. And He is our true home. Providence, Psalm 90. Let's pray. Father, thank You for being there for us, for those generations before us, Lord, who have fought, fought on their knees, fought with their hands, fought with their minds, spilled blood to make some of these things come about. But Lord, we see your mighty hand at work. I pray that we would not leave this place and allow one other moment to interfere in our joy. Lord, that we would be satisfied with you and all that we, all that we do everything we experience, all that we're looking forward to, we would be satisfied in you, knowing that you are our true home and that one day when we fly away, it is to you. And we have a home waiting. Give us wisdom now, Lord. Teach us wisdom so that we might use the brevity of this life in the fullest manner to glorify you. And it is in Jesus' name. We pray, amen.